everybody thank you for your patience we are back episode 49 of the handsome hockey podcast taylor's version (laughs) (laughs) it's only 10 minutes yeah hey that might be better for our our listeners Um, thanks for stopping by today we are happy to be here in portland oregon my name is jake and across from me is evan You were talking about the whale earlier. I I had to. Yeah. The the whale just bring me so much joy. We haven't recorded for a couple of weeks. Um, We put out two episodes and episodes on back to back days a couple of weeks ago. And then I again went on vacation. So rested like God after making humanity. Yeah. Except I was chasing around toddlers. So not so much. Um, I mean, that's probably what God feels like most of the time. Yeah. But it's his fault. Like. Her fault. God is clearly Alanis Morissette. Didn't you watch Dogma? I did, and I forgot. I put more religious authority in Dogma than the actual Bible. Since we last recorded, some big things happened. Some trucks drove by. Uh, Some big things (laughs) happened. (laughs) Haven't turned the volume up. Yeah. Some big things happened. Some fun things happened. Ken Holland was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. For his beautiful GMing abilities, right? Yeah. I'm not mad that Ken Holland was inducted into the Hall of Fame. The dude who architected a couple of cup teams was a mm-hmm. significant piece in the first two Wings Cup teams in 97 and 98. Don't get me wrong. Like, this is a very deserved honor. Mm-hmm. But his, like, his late GM track record is fairly hilarious compared with like his pre-salary cap GM record. <laughs> and by late, you mean the last, oh, I don't know, 14 years. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's he's essentially driven two teams into the ground by handing out hugely long salaries to bit and uh, over the hill players. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Edmonton's clicking along really mm-hmm. well right now. Yeah. It they, seems to sort of be weirdly be working. They did lose to the Red Wings, which was funny because they interviewed Ken Holland before the game. And I was <laughs> like, oh, man, Edmonton's going to thrash us. And then they didn't I was like, oh, yeah this yeah. is a good point to talk about miko koskinen's weird season he's he's nine and one with a nice goals against average and he looks like shit <laughs> like how is this possible oh wait yeah Connor mcdavid is scoring redonkulous goals in front of him yeah and i i think doesn't dry have more points than mcdavid right now <laughs> like, i don't doubt it it's absurd uh edmonton but- is r- totally ridiculous but uh, that ridiculous goal that you are pointing to uh, where he just takes the puck out of the zone, mm-hmm. skates around for a bit, realizes that he's the fastest man alive and dances between four defensemen and scores. Yeah. If you, for some reason, don't know what we're talking about, please just Google it. Like, just Google the Connor McDavid goal. Um, it was unbelievable. He was trying to be magnanimous. Like he takes, he has the puck. He kind of like circles out of the zone. He's waiting for help. He's waiting for somebody to pass to. And then he inadvertently okie dokes the entire defense because he realizes, oh, 
I have a clear path to the net somehow through four defenders. And uh, he's, yeah, he's so fast. He just made them all look stupid. The entire Rangers defense just looked like complete pylons on the ice. It's not so much his speed it's his ability to do what he does at speed and like also his stick yeah. handling while skating faster than probably anybody else in the nhl is absurd like, also I, his I just, acceleration his yeah. acceleration is absolutely insane he goes from like kind of a you know slow cruising pace to slamming on the gas pedal past four people like uh, yeah it in was, like two strides right it he does things that nobody else can do, and I would say you probably can't teach. Yeah, there's like a freak of nature aspect to what he does. Getting back to the Hall of Fame, also in, inducted this year. I almost said indicted, and I was like, wow, <laughs> I've I've been uh, watching too much politics lately. Jerome McGinley, Marion Hosa, Doug Wilson, and Kim St. Pierre, as well as Ken Holland. Yeah. Uh, he is Alberta's problem now. Another interesting story is... Jerome McGinley spent a fair amount of time in Alberta, and as we were reminded in a lot of sort of retelling of his careers, was subject to quite a bit of racism on and off the ice and in how he was selected. I mean, I believe, yeah, the year that he won the Rocket Richard Trophy, the Lester B. Pearson Award, and a whole slew of other awards, another white player was named the captain of the Calgary Flames. Jerome McGinley, one of the greatest ambassadors and, and players of color that we've seen was the best player on his team and wasn't decided to be befitting of the sea. So hopefully, you know, we can kind of honor him in a way that tells the real story of his career and how, what he faced and, and really the, the trailblazing that he was able to do. It was later in his career when both he and a number of people started kind of coming out and saying, you know, this is, these are the types of things that he faced mm-hmm. as he, was coming up trying to make it to the NHL and then even after being in the NHL and for him to have persevered Mm -hmm. through that harassment and that treatment and to, uh, to have the, the distinguished career that he had is it's truly remarkable. You know, we've seen these same things, you know, derail the careers of other players and that's not to say that those players are less than jerome mcginla in like mentality or you know perseverance what i am saying is we really should laud jerome mcginla for you know not only surviving but thriving in an environment that like was openly antagonistic towards him for most of his career yeah and even you know in the 90s 2000s like this is not an old story. It's a new story of, of the racism in hockey. So yeah, congrats to him for making a hall of fame career with such a headwind who someone who didn't face such adversity and succumb to a flesh eating virus was Marion Hosa. And he was also part of this hall of fame crew. And then, uh, Doug Wilson, Kim St. Pierre, uh, someone I wasn't familiar with, but I dug into her story a little bit. She was a dominant goalie in international play for team Canada. She won three gold medals in 2002, 2006, 2010, five IAHF gold medals, four silvers, and a women's four nations cup. Show um, off. <laughs> 
Yeah, kind of what I was thinking looking at her bona fides is like, oh, wow, you were incredible. If there's one thing I've learned in my life, it's that everybody hates an overachiever. (laughs) (laughs) It's great to see the Hockey Hall of Fame inducting women into its ranks. Uh, Something tells me, and that's called, um, you know, history, that there's (laughs) way more women that deserve to be inducted. And so... Hopefully, you know, as these classes continue, the the Hockey Hall of Fame can maybe go out of its way to add to the list of women who have been inducted because of the fact that they've probably been neglected for, you know, decades. Definitely. And an interesting part of her story, it's kind of a bummer because it's caging a women's hockey story as beholden to men's hockey, but... um Besides Man on Rum, she's one of the only women's players to have skated with uh, NHL players in sort of any capacity, and that she uh, practiced with the Montreal Canadiens in 2008. Apparently, Carrie Price had the flu. So that's w- what they're calling him being disturbed by her awesomeness. On <laughs> He's like, I am less sick. <laughs> I'm out with the sickness. But uh, yeah, it, it was really cool in the Hall of Fame kind of drudgery to find out about her career speaking of people who are maybe no longer heading to the hockey hall of fame uh bob murray (laughs) yeah resigns uh as gm of the anaheim ducks after being put on administrative leave when an internal investigation brought up you know um what everybody had been saying for years yeah which is, uh, this guy's kind of a high-strung uh, asshole and not a very nice guy and... Um, Created a very caustic work environment for um, right. everyone. Apparently, this NHL anonymous tip line that they set up after the Blackhawks-Kyle Beach scandal uh, worked. And in that, he was the guy that was sort of like very quickly anonymously reported on by uh, everyone that knows him and works with him. Like, it's kind of funny that happened to a Portland architecture firm. They like got big enough where they like hired an HR person. And then the HR person like was instantly inundated with like several women in the office saying that they were harassing him. It's like, Oh, I guess when you sometimes start listening, you figure out that you haven't been listening long enough. Bob Murray notably once was accused in court of throwing a chair at a woman in a press box after a loss in Detroit. I believe he wasn't convicted, but you know it just kind of illustrates where there's smoke, there's usually fire. Also breaking into the news this week, COVID. Hey, oh, hey, well, I hadn't heard of you for for a while. Uh, like about six minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> welcome back into NHL news. Um, we had seen throughout the uh, the season. Various players, you know, kind of like seeming like one here to there, you know, minor uh, setbacks. Um, the Sharks had had a number of folks at one time on the COVID list. However, the the Senators are just they're, they're just breaking all the rules and they have they currently have 10 players on the COVID list, which forced the NHL to postpone their three games this week. Yeah. Uh, they were supposed to go on an East Coast uh, swing, I believe. Mm, mm-hmm. So their games this week were were all postponed, which will, of course, you know, mean 
the schedule will be compacted for them and the, te- the, the teams that they didn't play end up playing uh, later in the season. However, good that they <laughs> cancel yeah. these. I think the big thing here, the reason, the big reason why it was canceled is it was a Canadian team coming into the United States. Yeah. If Crossing borders guess, it, it is very tough right now and you can create an international incident very free, very easily. So yeah, we don't need Trudeau and Biden arm wrestling or anything. Actually, I would fucking pay to see that, but uh, that's beside the point. Yeah. Like, cause like, the, do you think, do you think Biden's like got, wiry old man he's got grandpa strength yeah and and he's from scranton yeah but uh you know is that where he's from i hadn't heard that seventeen thousand times right but trudeau's like actually probably actively going to the gym and maybe has you know a personal trainer so that would be an interesting handicap i would love to see the vegas odds for an arm wrestling match between trudeau and biden i lean trudeau on this but I'd be I'd love to be proven wrong. <laughs> that would be like, so hilarious. Like Joe Biden winks at the camera before he just <laughs> pins Trudeau's arm down, and you're like, oh! "Whoa, <laughs> That would be amazing. Yeah. So the the, the senators, uh, and this is a number of their young talented players. Uh, Josh Norris is out. Mm-hmm. Drake Batherson's out. Uh, they they've got. Uh, They've got themselves a, a a bit of a crisis here because, as we definitely saw last year and uh, the year before, players don't always bounce right back from COVID. Sometimes mm-hmm. it takes a couple of days. Sometimes it takes weeks. Sometimes it took all season. That was also before vaccines for the mar- most part. But like true, Ryan O'Reilly just had COVID and he's still not very good yet. So I don't know. We'll see. And. It seems like the only people that are salty about the situation are Sharks fans who, I don't know, didn't have enough players with COVID to stop their games from being played. And so Sharks fans are like, ah, our AHL team had to play. And to which we uh, point out that the Senators are not all that much better than the Sharks AHL team. There's no Brady Kachuk down in the AHL team, but other That's than true. that, it's just like a ragtag bunch. Of, it's it's basically like the Sandlot, um, <laughs> where uh, Brady Kachuk is Benny the Jet Rodriguez <laughs> and everybody else. Brady Kachuk is definitely like heavy with the Sandlot vibes. I like that. Yeah, Josh Norris is. I'm not gonna dive in. I could just. I could go. <laughs> we, what we really need to know is who's yeah yeah and i think it's probably josh norris let's see other things back to the blackhawks yay uh, you know we're, we're gonna get one piece of shitty news about the blackhawks out of the way and then actually have like positive things to talk about a bunch of blackhawks i don't know kind of kind of weird i might phrase them negatively though just to keep up with the vibes yeah the what's happened in the latest scandal news is that there's been a lot of pressure on the Blackhawks to come out and financially help John Doe 2 with counseling services or paying for counseling services because they were obviously put in the position where they could have stopped Brad Aldrich's abusing, but uh, did not. So it's a very clear line between the Blackhawks decision making and where they are today. Um, the league also, Rick Westhead put this on the league. He's like, oh, don't you think, you know, The league should handle this. And the league sort of controversially sort of not deferred and said, no, this is the Blackhawks problem. Why should the combined money of 32 team or 31 teams that did nothing wrong 
pay for the sins of one team. And I think there's some... Despite the fact that they're doing the same thing for Kyle Beach. Right. Yeah. You know, it it does smack of some sort of like corporate, like pushing it away. Um, It does smack of some circling the wagons for sure. Gary uh, Bettman stuffed that right down into his Wranglers. (laughs) He was like, nope, nope, not, not going there. And then he walked around Lake Tahoe again. Yeah, it, indications are that the Blackhawks may end up paying for John Doe's John Doe 2's counseling. Um, but the way they're going about it in court and in the media and the press and like asking for his medical records and school records and like really doing a deep dive into this kid's life uh is kind of some bullshit. Like, do I sort of understand that, you know, maybe you want to see how much money you're on the hook for i can i can understand that but in the scheme of it being a professional hockey franchise it's gonna be fucking nothing you know it's going to be a game check for your fourth line grinder is how much this kid's counseling is going to probably cost for the rest of his life i don't know it's a fairly insane proposition to just try and go through all these corporate machinations instead of just saying, yeah, we'll pay for it. Like I get that they want to prevent a a precedent being set, but they also set a really shitty precedent themselves. (laughs) Like they are the precedent. Yeah. So, you know, that, that should be the precedent that should be set is if you fuck up like this and one of your own employees goes on to abuse elsewhere you should be on the hook for a bunch of counseling money. You should be on the hook for a whole lot more if that's what happens. I mean, if anything, they should be feel fortunate that they have gotten off so so freely with probably just paying for a couple of people's counseling. Yeah. The, well, what this does is if they say, yes, we'll pay for his counseling, one, it's an admission of guilt. Mm-hmm while there is pending legal action. Right. And it removes their ability to claim plausible deniability. Exactly. And so from a legal standpoint, they're doing the right thing of yeah. their, for their team. From an ethical standpoint, from every other fucking standpoint, <laughs> you're douchebags. And it, it's also the intersection of like the shittiest parts of legal corporate culture and the shittiest parts of hockey culture just in one it's like ah like skipping down the street hand in hand (sighs) giving the middle finger to everyone it's wrong like that's exactly what it is but what it also does for the blackhawks pr is it really kind of solidifies the team as the bad guys and the perpetrators in what the links that they're going to say we weren't at fault even if it's just financial and like their fiduciary duty, like it's still bullshit. They could come out and settle, but instead they're filing motions to dismiss the case, continue the case. And after sort of after Rocky words comes out and says, yeah, we're going to settle. They kind of show that they're probably that they're going to play legal hardball from here on out. So I think what they need to realize is there is still damage to be done. The product on the ice is not very good. There is still fan goodwill to be carved away. And I think they need to tread more lightly and 
I don't know, make some better decisions. Yeah, it just kind of shows that removing Bowman and Alan McKissick from the team didn't really, or from the organization, really didn't remove the like pervasive awfulness of that of that organization. And so we're going to have to move forward and hopefully we'll see these trials move forward and that the Blackhawks lose. And in those losses, they admit guilt and ultimately do all of the things that they should have been doing all this time. It's just going to be a bummer because it will then be like legally required of them instead of something they did of their own volition and goodwill. Kudos to Rick Westhead, who is really, you know, continuing to, keep the fire burning underneath the NHL and the Blackhawks about this. Uh, he put out a really amazing interview with the mother of John Doe too, um, in which, you know, she outlines some pretty hard to hear facts about how this situation has affected her son and her and where he is right now. I mean, he can't afford health insurance, which is part of the reason that they're seeking this sort of counseling money. It's also a story about how hockey chews up and spits out people. I mean, between him and Kyle Beach, we know that this has happened many, 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 many other times without receiving the kind of attention it has now. So I think that reinforces how the NHL needs to be better about the aftermath of the scandal moving forward and how the Blackhawks need to be more conciliatory and more open to maybe making a poor legal precedent to do the right thing so do you want to talk about the good thing that happened from the blackhawks well there was like a couple good things that happened um yeah it's really weird to talk about good news for the blackhawks these days but it's welcome i mean i suppose i still consider myself a fan but eh, i don't know it's take definitely taken a dent so yeah it's definitely nice to see some positive storylines So the first one of them you wrote about. Yeah, this came out about a week ago or so now. In celebration of Native American Heritage Month, Marc-Andre Fleury worked with Ojibwe artist Patrick Hunter to create a unique mask for him to wear during games this season. The mask is decorated with, it's a black mask uh, with um, feathers and flowers um, on it. very stylized feathers and flowers. It's really cool. You should take a look at it. Google it. It's it's really great. Yeah, it is fucking sweet looking. Yeah, like he should wear it's so much better than his regular mask. He should right. wear it for the rest of the year. The mask is decorated with seven feathers, which each represent one of the seven grandfather teachings of the indigenous nations and tribes throughout um, the Midwest. Um, the artist also incorporated flower iconography that works on uh, two ways both with native heritage um the artist said that like you know these flowers these types of flowers would have been found woven into native american dress and oh, okay. uh, uh and a clothing but they also work with mark andre Fleury's last name which yeah. is flower so Fleury will be wearing the mask throughout this month what is really kind of startling about this first well before i get into that like the first thing is like this is awesome it's really cool mm-hmm. that mark andre Fleury and the blackhawks went out of their way to do something to celebrate um, Native American Heritage Month. Uh, They are obviously a team that has a lot of, shall we say, disturbing Native American (laughs) iconography attached to it. So for them to 
like really dive in and mm-hmm. have some really powerful positive iconography is is an awesome uh, change. Yeah, I mean, this coming on the heels of the fact that they've started doing land acknowledgments and uh, they've made their TV rights holders show the land acknowledgement before home games. Yeah, they've made some interesting steps. Is it changing the logo? No, but you know, they're trying to do everything but, and I don't know, you get half a cookie, I guess, for that. This comes in very stark contrast to the mask that was painted for Marc-Andre Fleury to start (laughs) the year in which the artist um, complained that his first, I think, three or five designs were rejected as racist. By the league? By, sorry, by the team. By the team. And that, like, all of the the kind of scenes of Native culture that he could conjure up to paint on a mask were racist. <laughs> and one, this really shows how, like, even more how wrong and awful that guy was like i I forget his name and i don't feel like going back and talking about him again lazy yeah um but like it also shows you know and we said we talked about this with the phf preview when we were talking about trans uh, the trans inclusion policy and how there were no trans women uh (laughs) on this advisory board that created this policy when you want to honor a culture or create something that includes people, you should actually include those people. And Mm -hmm. so reaching out to Patrick Hunter to do the artistry for this was super cool. And, you know, kudos, very small kudos to the Blackhawks and Marc-Andre Fleury for, um, for moving forward with this. Yeah. I kind of wonder if him, you know, having this mask made had anything to do with the pushback that, the other mask kind of received online. I kind of don't care. Like, yeah, I don't really I, yeah. care, but I'm just like kind of curious. It's like, Oh, it's entirely were, possible. were you listening enough to realize that you kind of did a misstep and, and you corrected it or did you just figure this was a nice thing to do? I don't know. Just curious from that angle. As we talked about before, Marion Hosa was added to the hall of fame. You know, he was an amazing two way forward for all the, now sort of maligned cup teams that the Blackhawks put out. Um, He participated in the hall of fame skate and was promptly eaten alive by flesh eating bacteria live before a studio audience. He erupted from the, from the net. It was really gruesome. Yeah. I mean, I watched the whole thing, but I was like gassed, aghast the whole time. Yeah. It was sort of like a very small version of the movie, the blob. Yeah. It was just like this, like pink goo that just kind of, and quicker. Yeah, yeah. It, it was really, really uh, going to be tough to get that out of my head. Anyways, the best Blackhawks news this week. Jeremy Colton was fired. Amazingly, outlasting Joel Quinville twice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, happy trails to Jeremy Colton. I'm fairly certain he's going to come back into the league someday and probably be good because that's kind of how uh, a lot of these young coaches that flame out and then eventually come back end up being, but his defensive system, if he had a defensive system did not work. And uh, his coaching style was how shall we say deferential? He famously (laughs) 
after calling a timeout late in the game, handed the clipboard to Jonathan Taves, who drew up the play. Um, Jonathan Taves, who has yet to score a goal this season yeah. to drop the play. It, it, epitome of hilarity. Also, he still looks like a college kid back there. And that's going to be a weird look when Jonathan Taves looks noticeably older than you. <laughs> All coaches, all NHL coaches should only be like 36 years old, but look like they're 64. That's a new rule. So the Blackhawks named Derek King interim coach and uh, results have been pretty good so far in the three games that they've played under him versus Colleton. Um, the defensive stats are like noticeably better. I guess the team kind of defensive effort is greatly improved and fairly obvious that Colin had just kind of lost the room and wore out his time. The Blackhawks also have since hired Rob Cookson as assistant coach and elevated Mark Crawford, which that Mark Crawford. Yeah. To be associate coach on interim head coach, Derek King's staff. So also Mark Crawford problematic in his own right. Mark Crawford, who famously yelled, screamed at Scotty Bowman over the glass while Scotty Bowman laughed at him. Yeah, I don't think that's what has him in sort of a lot of people's doghouse. Oh, but, no, he's a, yeah, <laughs> he's a treat. But yeah, you know, interesting to see that they're out with the coach and then elevating other problematic figures while under the airs of a scandal. But to kind of, you know, learn more about Jeremy Colton, I went and did Handsome Hockey's first ever investigative report and in that I went undercover as a do-nothing coach on our hockey team and... Boy, was it an experience. I was a little injured and wasn't going to play. And so I decided to show up in a suit and tie at the rink, get a clipboard and do some yelling. And, uh, you know, I think I've tested how effective being a hockey coach that doesn't actually coach works. I mean, I think we played pretty well. We got beat. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but that's all we do. Yeah. Uh, but I think we got beat less that game than we usually do. We we had an effective game plan of no game plan, <laughs> and uh, it was shockingly effective in yeah. that I did my normal, like, pretend to play defense and then go <laughs> play forward thing. That was good. We have some, some guys on the team who either haven't played for a while or mm -hmm. are just starting out, and we tried to put them in positions to succeed, and yeah, we only lost by a couple goals. Yeah, we got pucks deep and we rolled all two of our lines and, uh, you know, we did okay. I think it kind of speaks to uh, how motivating it is to just have a person with a suit on on your bench, even in the case of the Blackhawks, if he looks like he's 12. You know, I, I actually did go through the motions of handing Jake the clipboard during a timeout uh, just to see how that felt. And um, it's a little, little degrading, a little demeaning, like... You know, to hand over such important power. Yeah, I think I wrote dirty words on it, too. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that was, yeah, it was great. Yeah, to kind of sum the whole thing up, I just wrote and colored in a giant yes on my clipboard. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm Held yes, it up I'm for yes motivations. Man. I'm a yes man. In actual real hockey news, the Pittsburgh Penguins are about to be sold. Um, as of this recording, it has not been formally voted on by um, either the um, financier or the league itself. However, all 
signs point to this happening perhaps on Thursday. This is Wednesday. So yes, tomorrow. Um, or if you're listening to this on Thursday today, or if you're <laughs> listening to this on Friday yesterday, <laughs> I think I've covered all of my bases as to like when this might get out. There are no uh, figures, final figures being uh, bandied about as of yet, but the uh, Fenway Sports Group, which famously owns the Boston Red Sox and Liverpool Football Club in England, are buying the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, they're kind of led by John Henry, um, who is a billionaire. and Not that John Henry. No, not that John Henry. I, I think a lot of people are looking at this as a positive. Fenway Sports Group has a history of spending a lot on their teams and not believing in rebuilds uh, looking rather to retool as Mm. opposed to rebuild. I mean, that's gotta be exciting for Pittsburgh. Yeah. You can see how Mario wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. As Evan just alluded to Mario Lemieux is reportedly going to be staying on as a much smaller minority owner Mm. in this. Um, He'll, he'll make a cool couple hundred mil on this deal, but it'll be mostly other people's money paying the players. (laughs) This time, um, and so he will be staying, sticking around in some capacity. Not sure what exactly that all entails as of yet. The Penguins franchise earlier this year was valued at $845 million. Only? Only $845 million. That seems like a screaming deal. That figure would be good for the NHL. Um, the Penguins valuation came in right around the middle of the evaluations for NHL franchises, which is kind of shocking considering yeah. the recent history that That's- they've had. Had. super shocking yeah. i don't understand quite why that is and i kind of want to dig into why yeah, yeah. That, that, that's super interesting yeah. um but i have seen a couple of articles that have said that the price is expected to be over 1 billion which would be huge for the nhl from a um a financial standpoint like it shows the financial health of the league um the price is right bob one one dollar, Bob. One billion dollar. It's also nice to see a an ownership group buy an NHL team that don't have any like glaring red flags attached to them. Mm-hmm. So like they're buying this team and you're like, oh, they might actually be okay as far as like a conglomerate of rich folks go. I think LeBron James is part of this sports group, so he technically oh, really? will own a stake in the Pittsburgh Penguins now. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, the Boston Red Sox have never really seemed like they've had a, I don't know, bad ownership gaffe. And if you run a Premier League franchise, like you probably know what the fuck you're doing. Well, especially one that has been as successful as Liverpool the last, you know, five or six years. And they historically don't spend their money on gargantuan contracts like the Red Sox sold Mm -hmm. or traded Mookie Betts rather than pay him to the Dodgers. And then Mookie Betts signed like a $365 million contract. Yeah. Um, There's rumors that they will not be re-signing or extending the contract of Mohamed Salah at uh, Liverpool, who is their, you know, talismanic striker mm-hmm. um, or forward, I should say. Uh, <laughs> you had to, you really had to translate striker? He's technically not a striker. He's a winger. Oh, I see. Yeah, he plays on the right I side. I thought you were translating for the, the non-soccer. No, uh, Firmino, Firmino is their, technically their striker. Ah, yeah. It's cool to see. Didn't the Red Sox under... What was his name? The, the GM there. Which one? The one that they got over the hump and 
one under. Oh, Theo Epstein. Theo Epstein. Like, wasn't that sort of like proto Moneyball, what he was doing behind the scenes? It's like Moneyball with a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of the impression that I've always gotten. So, yeah. Sounds like it's going to be a good thing for the Penguins. Yeah, it's a good thing for the league. You know, it's awesome that good owners are taking over the Penguins who are one of the, you know, more profitable and more visible NHL franchises. Now, if they could just go buy the Sabres, too, that would be great. That would be so amazing. Or buy a PHF team or start a new PHF team. And then just be like, oh, we're actually going to raise our salary cap to like, you know, like four million. It would be so good to divorce the Sabres from the Pagulas. Like, how do oil magnates fail at running a franchise so badly? In other hockey news, the PHF season started, uh, well, two weeks ago now. Unfortunately, for my hockey viewing uh, capabilities, I was chasing one of my niece and nephew around <laughs> all weekend. So I wasn't able to watch any games in weekend two or week two. Week one, I was able to catch both of the whale games against the Rivs and one of the um, Whitecaps games. It's been pretty, can I just say, fucking awesome so far. <laughs> yeah, they've had a fast and furious couple of weeks. Yeah. Boston beat Minnesota 6-4 to four in in one of their first match, uh, matchups of the season, uh, which it's it's been a rough go for goaltending so far uh, this season <laughs> in the PHF. But that rough go for goaltending creates a lot of scoring, which creates a lot of awesome, fast hockey. What also happened in the first weekend, uh, Emily Fluke punched Kelly Babstock in the face after a scuffle or a kerfuffle uh, <laughs> along the boards. And I'll be honest, I don't know the history there um, outside of the fact that Kelly Babstock was one of the uh, Rivs players that went on uh, Eric and Ardini's podcast. It just looked like a business hockey punch to me. Yeah, but like, one uh, you pissed the- me off in the corners. You feel wrath of fist. And then I get two and ten and go to the showers early. Yeah, but like I was wa- I was reading Twitter during the game and also uh, reading like comments on the ice garden and it was like of course emily fluke punched kelly babstock like of course it was emily fluke and Um, i'm like so like i tried to dig into the history there but couldn't really find anything so if any of our listeners want to fill us in on why it's of course emily fluke punched kelly kelly babstock uh please do i got Uh, the the feeling from the context of those tweets after you pointed it out that it's just like Emily Fluke's an aggressive player that is liable to punch you. That's what I not that it was personal. No, that's what I'm thinking too. But also a lot of people were like, yeah, somebody Kelly Babstock, like (laughs) darn. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. People weren't sad about it. Um, I mean, if it was like actually, you know, really outside the rules, people would maybe be upset about it, but it was just, it was just a, it's a glove on punch to the face. Like, it was a just tap. a tap. Yeah, just a, just a hockey punch. Like, yeah. Just a nice, just a cute little hockey punch. It was. I mean, unless you're Kelly Babstock and you just got punched in the face, maybe. I don't oh, I mean, did that happen to me? I'd be pissed about it, too. Like, uh, It has happened to me several times. Well, it's not great. You deserve it more yeah, than I do. Yeah, definitely. If somebody listening to this podcast hasn't figured out yet that I deserve to get punched in the face more than you, then you're not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> As it sits, the leaders in the clubhouse are the Boston Pride. Um, however, shocked, shocked face. Well, 
also they have played the them and the kinetic whale have played more games than anybody else right now toronto and the buttes have only played one game a piece where mm-hmm. and the ribs and the whitecaps have played two so it's an unbalanced schedule thus far so we don't have a real true kind of idea yet or feeling yet as to how the league's gonna go yeah, it it's is easy no to- shock to see boston atop the leaderboard but it's easy to be on top of the leaderboard when you've played four games to some other teams one yeah the other team that has played four games the kinetic whale are in second i will say this like if they can either get some some stronger goaltending or find some defense they're gonna crush fools this season they are scoring so many goals they have 13 goals in four games um (laughs) that's the kind of hockey we like to watch yeah i'll be totally honest i don't really care for a one nothing game i am all about a six four game unless my fantasy goalie is one of those goalies (laughs) so uh watching the the track meets that have happened thus far has been awesome. The pride and the whale. I watched highlights again. I wasn't able to watch uh, games this weekend, but it honestly, it looked like two teams who are going to be seeing each other at the end of the season as well. I don't know if most of this is, you know, maybe 10 minute penalties or fives getting handed out, but uh, the Connecticut whale have 46 penalty minutes and uh, the Boston pride, our second with 26 and uh i'm not mad i'm just impressed well there was a game misconduct there for uh for emily fluke right so that's so 10 that's 10 but like still yeah <laughs> that's uh that also probably uh, shows why the whale while scoring 13 goals in four games have given up 14 <laughs> so yeah uh also on the bad end of the goal differential is uh, my minnesota whitecaps even with the new loon pads their goalie are, is sporting. Uh, yeah, I, they're great. I encourage you to look up the loon pads. They might be better than the fish pads, actually. Yeah. Who knew that the fish pads could have An uh, such ego. a, I would say, such a commanding sequel? Like, that, that really, <laughs> like, Hollywood would be so lucky to have such a good sequel to anything. Yeah, what, what movie where there's only two is the second one better? Very, I, I can't think of the last sequel that was better than the first one. Dark Knight, maybe, but Batman Begins was no. Really fucking good. Dark Knight was way better than Dark Knight Rises. Be- begins, but would that's be a trilogy. The, begins would be the one though, right? But that's a trilogy. I'm oh, saying, so you're so discounting only trilogies. two? Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, we could say like Godfather Two is probably better than Godfather One. Um, Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars. Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. Real quick, what's your second Star Wars movie? Second favorite In Star the Wars entire realm not just like the original trilogy i mean it's just a toss-up between four and six i i am kind of a was always a partial to new hope but also i'm kind of a sucker for like a origin stories and b first things in any series of things like if there was like a role-playing game or like a tabletop game or like a video game i feel like i'm 75 percent guaranteed to like pick the first type or uh option just because it's usually like balanced and strong and like the original but yeah i think that's a a logical fallacy there's a term for that the correct answer to my star wars second best star wars question is rogue one oh eh. it's a vietnam movie in the star wars galaxy it's incredible it's so good i honestly uh i have a soft spot in my heart for episode one and i i would probably put that i'm third 
I'm over this conversation. <laughs> As you should be. Yeah, no, totally over it. Fuck this conversation. Well, I'm back editing to, this whole thing out. Back um, to PHF yeah, hockey. Back to PHF hockey. Um, so as we were saying right now, the standings are a little amok because the whale and the pride have played four games, whereas other teams have only played one or two. That also goes for top scorers and stats. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, Alyssa Wolfiler is having herself a year already four goals one assist in four games kennedy marchment who we talked about in our season preview as being one of the like top potential newcomers machine gun kennedy yes yes has not disappointed at all two goals three assists so far and my jersey emma vlasic is also tied for first with two goals and three assists after four games we're seeing a ton of scoring um, we're seeing a ton of really rugged fast action and it, the phf has absolutely not disappointed on any level at all so far i am actually home this weekend so i will actually be able to watch some more PHF thrilled to um, have that opportunity. And as always go pod. Yeah. I'm absolutely enamored with Amanda Levier's loon pad. Please look them up. We'll we'll put them up on social media at some point. Um, Maybe tonight. And by tonight, I mean, yesterday or two days ago <laughs> because who knows when this will get this edited. fucking inception come on i i have things to do tomorrow night so i don't know when this will get edited. <laughs> oh okay how's your phf fantasy team doing they haven't released their first kind of like stats or their okay. first kind of update however i have kennedy marchment and emma vlasic on my team so probably okay probably pretty good oh i, I imagine they're probably waiting for the other teams to right catch up yeah, my team name is Down with the Vlast Sickness. And again, a shameless plug for the Ice Garden. If you care one iota about women's hockey and you are not already reading them, you should be. Uh, their podcast is excellent. Their writing is excellent. They have a ton of good writers. Go yeah, check them out. They're maybe the class of PHF writing right now. Yeah, I mean, they put a ton of effort into it. They have really talented writers. It's, yeah, check them out. Honestly, if you care about women's hockey, you probably know about them, but yeah, it's also a way to get into women's hockey is to, you know, learn the narratives, the storylines, like that's what mm-hmm. I watch for. So reading them or victory press has been one of my biggest motivations to watch more of the games. Going back to men's hockey, Sidney Crosby returned to the ice this week after, I mean, he's been, this is only a second game of the season. He has been hurt and then he got covid awful one-two combo yeah big bummer for sydney also a bummer he threw martin faravee sydney crosby threw him by his head into the boards no penalty was called during the game the department of player safety weighed in to say oh that was cool nice 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 job bro you're our best friend sydney crosby (laughs) that's my george paros impersonation i think impersonation i think that's painfully accurate so instead of suspending or fining sydney crosby for what is very clearly a dangerous yeah he uh, wraps his fucking arms around the dude at full speed going into the boards and hip tosses him like martin fairberry's very very lucky to not have (laughs) escaped with a a really bad injury i'm sorry for cackling during the middle of your segment there but yeah that was Um, i mean that was the goal right that was good that was real good 
He did, however, Sidney Crosby did, however, get a coupon for 25% off all Violent Gentlemen uh, apparel at the end of the season. Rumor has it that Sidney Crosby has picked out a pair of Violent Gentlemen Crocs. Mm. Nazem Kadri, meanwhile, was suspended 36 games for reading a magazine in a hotel lobby. How dare he? Car and driver, 36 games. Like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? He's lucky it wasn't cat fancy. <laughs> Cat fancy whole season. Dion Phaneuf retired to everyone's surprise because uh, they were surprised that he was still a rostered player in the league. <laughs> um, I yeah. honestly didn't know this happened. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats yeah. for pulling the, pulling one out of the wool for me. I mean, I think he was like between IR and like PTOs for a long time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he finally said Phaneuf is Phaneuf and hung up the skates. That's that's enough out of you. Braden Coburn retired. Braden Coburn, who obviously will hold a soft spot in this podcast heart. He is a former winter hawk. And he won a cup. He decided to hang it up officially via Twitter and Instagram and all those places. Uh, congratulations on uh, on a career, man. Like Your name's on the cup. You did it right. Come back to Portland and hang out. <laughs> if you want to talk with us, hint, hint. Congrats on a career, man. That If you can retire with your name on the cup, you've had a good go yeah he played 983 games over 16 seasons for five teams he had played on the senators and islanders most recently he was just i think kind of between injured and kind of too old he was an eighth overall pick oh wow good for him yeah super interesting speaking of too old uh andy green played (laughs) his That's rude. Andy Green is still a very solid NHL player. Don't get me wrong. I mean, no, I think he would probably also agree that he's too old for this shit. He looks really old. (laughs) He has kind of the same syndrome that I have, which is you're like only in your mid 30s, but also look like you might be 60, Uh, (laughs) which is to say he's devilishly handsome. A thousand games is one hell of a benchmark to hit in the NHL, especially if you've been playing over the last couple of seasons, which have both been truncated and you still made it good for you. Yeah. He's up there with uncle Lou in the, on the aisle and, you know, hopefully he'll get some playoff games this year and, you know, round out his career uh, in winning fashion after putting in some really gutsy shifts with bad devils teams for a long time. Yeah. For real. Like talk about a good soldier. Speaking of too old, have you seen, the uh, official roster photo for uh, Brett Connolly, technically of Chicago, now <laughs> Rockford Ice Hawks. It's terrifying, yeah. Uh, he looks like Bobby Orr right when he retired. He looks like a guy that's seen some shit, and he's 29. There's a there's a thousand-yard stare there that shouldn't be there. It's, it's like he spends his off-seasons as a bounty hunter, <laughs> <laughs> and... Like he comes back to hockey and they're like, "Hey Brent, well, how was your off season?" And, and he's like, like, "Takes Mandalorian helmet off." And you're like, "Oh, oh, oh." <laughs> no, he like they ask him how his off season went, and he's like, "I don't talk about it." <laughs> and, like they're just like, "Okay, Brent, yeah, cool. Hey, have fun in Rockford." <laughs> I mean, maybe really the story is that's what being sent to Rockford, Illinois, does to you. Uh, it it takes uh takes a certain kind of person to survive in rockford well hopefully kendall coin schofield is making it all all right yeah i mean she probably spends more time in chicago let's be honest let's hope. and then for our last but not least 
Rem, don't call me Tyler, Pitlick, scored his first NHL goal and then decided it wasn't enough. And so he scored two more, uh, scoring a natty hattie for his first three NHL goals. That's um, that's good. That's yeah. dope. That's really good. If you're going to introduce yourself to the league, don't introduce yourself to the league with like some like crappy little rebound <laughs> goal. Or if your first goal is a crappy little rebound goal, get two more. Yeah, he went full Liza Minnelli and was like, I'm here. <laughs> Uh, I believe that's the first time Liza Minnelli has been referenced on this podcast. Uh, and uh, let's hope it's the first of many. Yeah, we should we should make that a habit. Congrats to Rem. Like that again, way to announce yourself to the league. I wonder like how many millions of dollars those extra two goals were worth the next time his contract gets negotiated. Like, I don't know. You know, maybe if he does like fucking nothing the rest of the year it's he's gonna be like uh remember that 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 natty hattie the thing i did (laughs) that thing that thing where i was good yeah let's yeah let's focus on that that thing you do well (laughs) uh i hope you can focus on the things that we did good today because this has been another episode of the handsome hockey podcast uh thank you so much for listening i'd also like to thank my brother for completely ruining my tuesday by sending me a meme that included the video of when shadow shows up at the end of homeward bound and that shit ruins my day anytime (laughs) it comes up and my brother does it to me once a year so shout out to my brother for uh just fucking burying me on a tuesday (laughs) he is uh he's a rad dude um but someone's got to put you in your place I'd rather Usually isn't me not that way I have a wife for that I don't need my <laughs> brother to do it also that was it was abusive borderline abusive um <laughs> I, like I you know the, the machinations of brothers are it would take centuries to explain and I, I would not know I'd so. prefer not to yeah uh, <laughs> mine is great but seems great it it was a real downer this is definitely like the third year in a row he's done this to me and I'm I'm over it. I also that found out that hilarious. that that scene is a gif and all y'all if you're if I text you at all ever in my life, you're all going to get ruined by this. And I mean, you basically just gave out like the address to your kryptonite mine, right? Yeah, if any of you and like if somebody texts me back and says, what is this? Or if somebody texts me back and goes, if somebody texts me back and says, this is stupid, why did you send me? Uh, We're no longer friends. (laughs) Yeah. Like if you can't get down with shadow and homeward bound one, bye. Anyways, if you uh, want to pass the friendship test, you can find us on the internet at handsomehockey.com, handsome hockey podcast on Instagram at handsome hockey on Twitter or handsome hockey pod at gmail.com and the handsome hockey Facebook page. You can find us all over the place if you are listening to podcasts. Chances are, if you're listening to this, you've found us somewhere. However, if you're looking for us or if you want to tell your friends about us and say, Marco, podcast, (laughs) people hate us so much right now. (laughs) That was fucking, that was cold. anyways uh if you want to tell your friends where to find us and they listen to podcasts where you don't uh we are on spotify apple google and amazon podcasts stitcher tune in overcast red circle and occasionally on youtube oh shit i need to update the youtube we i think still only have one listen on google podcasts if you are that person thank you (laughs) 
this has been episode 49 of the handsome hockey podcast thank you for listening take care everybody uh stay warm it's getting cold and stay handsome everybody Restez beau tout le monde